Amen. Thanks for being here this morning. If you have a Bible, turn to Luke chapter 12. The, the Gospel of Luke chapter 12. It's on page 871 of the Pew Bibles, but Luke chapter 12. We've been going through um, some parables during the summer, and we're about ready to transition um, in a few weeks to a different series. But we basically, um, and that was not originally the intention, have started, looked at Luke 10, 11, and 12 uh, parables in those three chapters. And so we're going to look at one from Luke chapter 12, and I'm going to read verses 13 through 21. Luke chapter 12, verse 13 through 21, and it says this. Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge or arbitrator over you? And he said to them, Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And he told them a parable, saying, The land of a rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I will do this. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, Fool, this night your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, thanks for your word. Lord, thanks for the truth of it. Thanks that you work through it. And I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just teach us this morning. You would guide us, remove every distraction and help us. And I pray that we would not be fools. And I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts will be acceptable to you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. In this text, Jesus confronts covetousness and greed. Uh, That's what he's dealing with, covetousness and greed. Cheryl Cheryl Crow uh, sang a song, it was one of her top top hits, uh, and it said, "My, My friend the communist holds meetings in his RV. I can't afford his gas, so I'm stuck here watching TV. I don't have a digital. I don't have diddly squat. It's not having what you want. It's wanting what you've got. I've got a crummy job. It didn't pay near enough to buy the things it takes to win me some of your love. But I'm going to soak up the sun. I'm going to tell everyone to lighten up. I'm going to tell them that I've got no one to blame. For every time I feel lame, I'm looking up. I'm going to soak up the sun. I'm going to soak up the sun. And I looked at the phrase that she, the word, the word that she uses, it's, it's, not, it's not having what you want. It's wanting what you got. And that is an issue for all of us. And there's a lot of conversation that happens, especially on Labor Day weekend, when we talk about stuff and possessions and things that we're resting for. And there's a lot of complexity. I mean, I looked up what people think that song, Soak Up the Sun, from Sheryl Crow means, and there was all kinds of debates and all kinds of controversy trying to figure out what is she trying to say um, in that song. And what does this mean? This sets the course of our lives. It sets the course of people's lives. This idea of possessions and coveting and greed. 
the old Westminster Confession said, what, what is the chief end of man? It's to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Mark Twain, Mark Twain changed that. And he, he asked, what is the chief end of man? To get rich. In what way? Dishonesty if he can, honesty if he must. This is a common concern. And it is this conception of greed. And this is the question. Do you desire to have more? And are you discontent with what you have? I mean, this is just common. It's a common question that we all uh, deal with. I mean, everywhere you go, people are just trying to figure out what, 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 is, um, what, what do they do with their job, their work, their situations, the, the, the things that they have. How does a disciple of Jesus deal with their possessions, their stuff? How do you deal with your, your treasure? We're wealthy people compared to the rest of the world. We, we are very wealthy. We, we, we have much. So this morning, it's not about guilt, about what we have, but it's to help guide us. It's, it's a common concern that can set the course of our life. It's a concern that Jesus was very concerned about. And actually, Paul summarized much of this in First Timothy chapter 6, verses 7 through 10. And I'd write that verse down. And maybe as this Labor Day weekend goes, if you want to meditate on a passage, First Timothy chapter 6, 7 and 10 says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take, cannot take anything out of the world. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pangs. That summarizes in many ways the teaching of Jesus in this, in this passage, but there's, there's just a, a common concern in this, this story that Jesus tells us about. It's about a common consumer. The passage starts out with Jesus, and look at the first verse. It says, in the meantime, when so many thousands of people, all these people are gathered to hear Jesus speak. Jesus gathers with thousands of people around him, and they're basically trampling over each other, trying to get to him, trying to listen to him. And all of a sudden, he's just talking. He's sharing very deep, deep truth about hypocrisy, about the, the way to follow God, the kingdom of God. He's teaching all these things. Lots of people are there. And, and then randomly, this pops up. I mean, someone out of the crowd said to him, I mean, this is, this is just a, this is a common occurrence that this, this guy shows up, he, he goes to church, he comes, and he's listening to this talk, but all he's waiting for is something that's going to apply to his situation, his reality, so if it doesn't happen, he starts texting on his phone what he's, what he's dealing with, he's thinking about all these other things, and this happened to Jesus. Jesus is talking about all these truths, and then it says someone in the crowd said to him, hey, teacher, tell my brother to divide inheritance with me. I mean, th th this has nothing to do with anything that Jesus was talking about. But there's this, this, this common family issue pops up. This guy came to hear Jesus. He, he came to the service with a, a need that is consuming him, which was just, which is a common problem. And the, 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 the common problem 
that this consumer guy wanted Jesus to do was, hey, help us divide up the inheritance that we're supposed to get. Because in the ancient days, the, the eldest brother would have been in charge of the inheritance. And this guy felt that he was getting gypped. He, he felt like he wasn't getting what he was wanted. And it was common to ask a rabbi in those times to, for a legal ruling. Deuteronomy talks about that. Numbers 27 talks about that. So that's what he's doing. He, he, Jesus is preaching his heart out. All he can think about is his brother's texting him back and stuff, arguing about, hey, you, you don't get the family clock. I get the family clock. You, you don't get mom's dresser. I get mom's dresser. He's so ticked off about it, he just blurts out, hey, Jesus, divide my, help me divide the family situation because I, because I want something. And he doesn't really want Jesus to arbitrate it. He, he, he wants Jesus to choose his side. He, feel, he clearly feels like he is in the right and his brothers in the wrong and jesus gives a an interesting response and he said to him jesus just says man it was a it was a rude request jesus said man man, who made me a judge or an arbitrator over you jesus wasn't going to deal with it he wasn't going to answer him jesus is more concerned with your attitude and this guy's attitudes towards money than he was with multiplying this guy's money. He, he was more concerned with helping this guy get a better attitude about stuff and consumerism and his greed than he was dealing with this particular situation. Basically, Jesus was saying to this person, Jesus is not going to be used for cultural convenience. He, he, he's not going to be. How many of you have ever hired a, a person who has seen someone who's a Christian, has a a business, and I've ever talked to a Christian business owner, and and they'll often say, sometimes some of the worst people they want to work for are other Christians. Because other Christians want to take advantage of the Christian business guy. They'll say, hey, they find out somebody's a Christian, and they'll be like, hey, you're a Christian too? And then all of a sudden, their covetousness and greed starts coming in, and they start thinking, hey, maybe I can get a discount from this guy. Maybe, hey, we're brothers in Christ. He he can cut me a deal. Or on the flip side, people will put out their Christian-ness, so thinking that that's going to cut them a deal. They'll they'll attract more business in some ways. This this is kind of what's going on. It's really practical. Jesus says, listen, I'm not going to deal with that with you. That's not what I'm here for. I'm here for a greater purpose. But it's it's a common question. It's a common concern. It's a family dispute that this guy once dealt with. Who's going to get the inheritance and what God is going to, what Jesus is going to do about it? And Jesus gives a critique. He says this, take care and be on your guard against all covetousness, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. Jesus gives a, a warning. He says, Take care and, and be on guard for this. I got a friend who's down in where the hurricane's taking place at right now. He's been watching all the news going on. And, and he, he, he said this. He said, you know, for governors of these hurricane states, they, they, they all could just have one speech. After you hear all their stuff they say, they, they could just have one speech, which is, hey, it's really bad. It's going to get worse. Get out. Get out now. Don't say I didn't warn you. That could be constantly what we've heard in the news down south. That's what Jesus is saying to you right here when it's this passage. Jesus says, hey, 
Jesus says, he gives a warning, take care, be, be on guard for this, watch out, get out now. When it comes to covetousness, when it comes to greed, guard yourself against this, watch out. Because there is this thing called greed that we all deal with that nobody wants to actually sometimes admit, but we have to watch out for. Someone said greed is an insatiable desire of getting the world. It, it, it just, and there's all kinds of greeds. You don't have to have a lot of stuff to be greedy. That there is a greed for those who have, and they've been asked, when are you going to be satisfied? With just a little bit more. Just a little bit more and I'll be satisfied. And then there's a greed with those who don't have. And they want and want and want. There's all kinds of greeds, and you fall into one of those, and maybe even others. This is a very common critique, though. This wasn't something new. Jesus was saying something that, that has been known. Now, the Old Testament talks about this uh, constantly. Job, Ecclesiastes, Psalms, Proverbs, ancient literature, all talked about, hey, life does not consist of things that you have. We all know that. This is common, common knowledge. But Jesus gives just some more clarity. He gives this parable. He says, listen, think about this. Don't, take care. Be on guard with this. And then he told them a parable about a common desire. He, he, he told them a, a parable about a guy who lived out in basically this area, who made some good investments, worked really hard, bought some land. And it seems like as he, as he bought some land, all of a sudden he bought some land that, that had some good soil. And that good soil had some bumper crops. It says, the land of the rich man produced plentiful. He, he didn't do much with it. It just, it just kind of happened. This is, it was a good thing. And he thought to himself, what, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. I mean, he, he's a wise businessman. There's, there's nothing wrong with this. He was wealthy. He bought some land. He got a good investment. Someone maybe told him about a certain spot to buy it. It was a good hit. We would look at him and say, that's a good businessman. I mean, that's what you want for your kids, right? Hey, be wise. You know, this is what we tell them. Be wise. Find a job that you're going to succeed at. And so he thought to himself, what, what, what shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. So I can't let it go to waste. So he's wise again. I mean, he's, he's thinking. He's planning. And so he says, I'll do this. I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones. I mean, in, in many ways, we would look at this guy and we would say, that, that's successful. I mean, what's wrong with that? There's no sin here. He had money. He bought property. He hit the jackpot with that property. It took off for him. Good for him. And then he didn't waste it. He was going to store it and save it. Everything looks good. This is the confusion for many people, even in our culture, in the Route 34 corridor. You grow up and you're told, hey, you do something with your life. Build something. Be somebody. Build something. And then, and then, then just be busy. You know, the way you build something is just to be really busy. I mean, that, that's like the thing here, isn't it? If someone asks you, how you doing? How was work this week? Busy. I'm just really busy. I mean, uh, how, how's things going? How's the company? I mean, we are busy. Like that, That's the status if you're successful around here. If, you're, if someone walks up to you and says, how's life going around here? Uh, pretty laid back, pretty bored. They look at you like you're a failure. Come on, dude, get busy, build something. How can you be so, how can you be, 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 be bored? How, how can it just be going smoothly for you? I mean, this is the culture we live in. Build. Be busy. And as the busier you get, you just start bundling stuff up. Bundling it and bundling it and collecting it and collecting it. And, and if that happens, that's going to equal blessing. I mean, you'll, that, that's how you know that you've been blessed by God. 
If you worked really hard, you were busy, you bundled stuff up, then you're blessed. Right? Except there's a lot of people who have bought into that in our culture who are building, I mean, they're unbelievably busy. They've got all kinds of stuff. But they're just busted. They're busted spiritually. They're busted emotionally. They're drained, they're tired, and they're weary. And they don't know why. This is this guy. I mean, he's got it all. I mean, he is active. And there's, these are good things. There's nothing really wrong with any of this. He hasn't sinned in any way. He's being a wise businessman. But something's not right. And Jesus gives a critical, points out a critical error. He says, I will do this. I'll tear down my barns. I'll store my grain, my goods. He was extremely self-focused. Alistair Begg pointed out that this was a guy who had two, two, two problems. He never saw beyond himself, and he never looked beyond this world. This guy was completely self-centered and self-consumed. In our culture, this is a good thing. Every commercial you watch this weekend tells you to consume. I mean, it's the day off tomorrow. So go buy a new car. There's 0% interest. Uh, go consume. Consume, build, and then get busier so you can pay for it, so you can bundle it together, so then you can retire early, and then you can move down south and box yourself up with other people who are retired, and you can get really good at pickleball. I mean, then you've arrived at life. That's what you need to do. And this guy is in this situation where he's like, that, 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 that's what he thinks he's heading for, but he's... he's never saw beyond himself, and he never looked beyond this world. Because the question is, then once you get all that stuff, then what? You went to college so you could get a good job. Then what? You collect all the stuff so you can raise your kids and they can have good clothes and they can look good in their schools and, they can, and then they graduate and they can go to good colleges. And then what? Well, then you have great vacations with them, and you travel around the world, and you do all these things, and then what? Then you die, and then what? Your kids fight over your stuff. They don't talk to each other anymore. They don't hang out together. They don't like how they got divided. And then what? This was a self-centered, self-consumed man, and the critical, that was his critical error. I mean, we're meant to be earning, we're meant to be gaining, and we're meant to be giving. Those are all good things. This is not an attack on planning. It's not an attack on providing for your family. This is not an attack by Jesus on even retirement. This is an attack on covetousness and greed of being in a living a life that thinks self-centeredness and being self-consumed is going to give me what I want. And Jesus says life does not consist with the things that we have. And he says there, there, there is a call to consider. But God said to him after he went to bed that night, fool, 
This night your soul is required of you. It's a banking account. It's like God's calling in the loan. Your life is a, is a gift for me. It's a loan. And you've forgotten that I call it, I own it, I control it. It's not just all about you. And he says, he's a fool, he's an idiot. So this, and he, so this is the one, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. And the call for us to consider, the call for you to consider is, is don't be a fool. Don't be an idiot. There, there is an uncommon commitment that we are called to as followers of Jesus Christ. If, if we're going to be disciples of Jesus, Jesus is concerned with our stuff, our possessions. And he says, don't be fools with them. They're gifts from me, and there is a commitment that life is not found in those things. But the call to consider is not that God doesn't want you to be rich. The call to consider is that God wants you to be rich. He says, so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. There's a different type of richness that God calls us to. There's a different type of richness that he wants you to be a part. He wants your life to be in that kind of, that kind of treasure. The, the, the problem with much of our culture and the problem with even us as Christians is we, we, have, we have become too self-centered and self-consumed and we have forgotten that we need to see beyond ourselves and we need to look beyond this world. That this is not the it. Francis Chan did a great illustration one time of a very large rope and he colored a little red mark of it about that long and he had this huge string and he said, this is your life. This little 70 years here. And if you live for that much, you're going to forget that all this part is coming down here. Eternity is coming. So the call is to consider an uncommon commitment, a call to remember that God wants you to be rich. But what does that look like? What's that look like? What's the direction of richness toward God? The direction of richness towards God is living a life that glorifies God, that the glory of God is what guides you. You live your life to glorify God. Some of you have been given great abilities to make a lot of money. Some of you have been gifted with great brains to be successful in your businesses. That's a gift of God. But how do you take that ability and be guided with the glory of God in it? Some of you, God has not given that ability to. He, his call for you is to, to work hard and maybe has been to struggle. But how do you live in that way, in such a way that you glorify God? What's the direction of your richness toward God? It's, it's a life of that God glorifies. To, a God, a glory of God is what guides you. That's, what, that's what's going to guide you, and this is what that might look like. If the glory of God is guiding you, it will be that what you, not, what you naturally wanted may not happen. What you naturally want, you decide not to do. Or the cost of something will cost more than you expected. But you'll also find that in that there's a great joy that you never experienced. If you let your life be guided by the glory of God, it means you're going to go a different way on things. You're going to say no to certain things that, that, that seem like they should be a great plan. Generosity is also going to grow. You're going to have the sense of, of giving and gratitude for God's grace is going to continually grip you. 
So is the one who lays up treasure on himself and is not rich towards God. What are you plugged into with your possessions? What, what has so got you that you say, I have to have this, or I so want that? Why, why can't I have that? Well, that's what's got your heart. Don't live in common foolishness, but live in an uncommon commitment to the riches of God. The message of the gospel is that God was willing to be divided for us. There, there was, the story is two brothers who were upset about how the inheritance was going to be divided. So much so that he interrupted Jesus' sermon to find out about him. And Jesus says, you're missing the point. But the good news for us is that God was willing to be divided. He, he came down to earth in the form of Jesus Christ to die on the cross for our sins so that we could be restored back into a right relationship with him. Jesus gave us everything so we could trust him with everything. Life is not made in our possessions. It's made in our richness towards God. How, how are you glorifying God? How, is you, how are you growing in generosity? And how are you being gripped in gratitude by the grace of God in your life.